Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Alyssa Branch, and this is Housing Wire Daily. This Real Trending crossover episode is hosted by Real Trends Editorial Director Tracy Velt, who interviewed Chris Kelly, the President and CEO of Ebby Halliday Companies, and Christian Wallace, the head of the New York-based Better Real Estate Group. The discussion, which was originally featured as a panel at last month's Housing Wire Annual, explores why core services are so important to real estate brokerages. But before we listen, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Want to give your customers the streamlined mortgage experience they expect? Fannie Mae's digital mortgage solutions are fast, efficient, contactless, and they save paper. Our digital mortgage solutions provide efficiency for you, convenience for your customers, and deliver a great experience at every stage of the mortgage cycle. Own the mortgage experience with Fannie Mae's innovative solutions. Visit FannieMae.com slash go digital. Um, I'm Tracy Velt. I'm the editorial director of Real Trends. And I want to introduce two of my panelists here. Um, Chris Kelly, he's the president and CEO of Ebby Halliday Companies. And that includes <laughs> real estate brands, um, Ebby Halliday Realtors, Dave Perry Miller and William True. They have mortgage, insurance, and title operations, and they're part of the Berkshire Hathaway's Home Services of America. So Home Services of America is ranked number one by transaction sides in the Real Trends 500 rankings and number three by sales volume. So high up there. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. <laughs> yes. Um, and then we have Christian Wallace. She's the head of real estate um, services for Better. So she oversees the company's real estate brokerage, and that encompasses 600 employees and agents, and they have a focus of changing the real estate commission structure and improving the customer experience. But she's also a licensed realtor um, and has done over 2,500 transactions in Texas. So the idea of the one-stop shop um, has been around since really the 70s when Sears and and Merrill Lynch came into the industry, Um, and by the 90s they were gone because it's not easy. (laughs) Um, So I want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, I want to start with you, Chris, if you want to just talk a little bit about, I know you have more than just mortgage, um, but talk a little bit about your core services, which used to be ancillary services, but people realize that they're really core to the real estate brokerage industry. Yeah, you could say core or first services yeah. almost in some respects. And yeah. I know we'll, we'll discuss that. But so our parent company, Home Services, their business model, literally the creation of it was this business model. It wasn't, hey, we're a real estate brokerage and then let's think about adding on these other services. The the formation of Home Services was this business model in mind. And so locally uh, here at the Epi Holiday Companies, we do have mortgage title and insurance. Our mortgage company is a national mortgage company. It's Prosperity Home Mortgage. Um, nationally does, you know, 45 to 50 thousand you know mortgages a year locally here we do about 2500 
Um, about 60% of those 2,500 are from in-house, and sometimes that surprises folks because it means our, our loan officers are doing about 40% of their business from outside sources. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not all captured business. A lot of it is from the outside. Um, and then we also have title and insurance. Title, because of just the way title is structured in so many different states, title becomes a little bit more regionalized from state to state because every state does it a little bit different. Mortgaging kind of have more of a national presence. And insurance is kind of a national presence as, as, as well. And, um, but from a mortgage standpoint, locally we've had mortgage for about 20 years. And as we'll kind of discuss through this panel, it is always a work in progress. There um, are ways to improve. I would say we've been a traditional mortgage company over the years. But, but quite honestly, to, to Christian and, and Better and other Rocket and others, what it's really required of, of what I would say traditional mortgage companies over the year is to innovate and change and find ways to be faster in your service to the clients, not just do it the way that you've always done. And so um, although we are part of a captive business model, we look to the outside on how we can be better quite often. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, Christian, you kind of went the opposite way. You started in mortgage. Well, not you specifically, but better. Um, and you moved into real estate. Tell me a little bit about that um, process. Well, actually, me also. Well, so. you too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so me also. And you had to bring up Rocket. Really? Well, I just, it's just an example of all of them. Like, there's it's ways that we can all look to get better. Look outside yourself. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, but yes, um, so we really started on the mortgage side at Better. Um, mm-hmm. Personally, I started on the real estate side and went into the mortgage side, so know both sides very well. Um, one of the things, you know, for us when we started um, looking at what we were offering for our customer, you know, it was kind of like they would come to us constantly as like, where do I go? Where do I begin? Where do I start? And we realized where you start is with the agent. Yeah. And the agent is the one who really drives the transaction. They're the ones who, you know, the panel that was up here before was talking about um, referrals. I mean, they're the ones who very much, you know, drive everything throughout the whole process. So when we were started looking at what our model was, when you're just offering just the mortgage piece of it, we're missing out on so much. And so when we kind of switched and kind of took ourselves out of the piece and really put the customer at this, it's really the centric spot and started to move around it, that's when we decided it was time for us to have a brokerage. And um, for many people, didn't even realize it better was even starting a real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, we were very silent for the last year. Um, and I'm glad to say not just 600 employees, we're now up to 1,200. Oh, so just wow. look at what happens in a, couple, yeah. in a couple months. Yeah, yes, we're, a... we're going leaps and bounds. But it's it's really kind of a different a different change for us because the mortgage is the hard side. Yeah. I mean, coming from both sides and doing both things, mortgage is really the hardest piece. Um, and to be able to lock that down and to get that process done, and we have done a lot of innovation, and we do a lot of different things that a lot of um, mortgage companies don't do today, and it really makes a difference for the customer. And when you add the ancillary services, because not only are we a real estate brokerage, we also have an in-house title mm-hmm. and um, insurance, and so it makes the whole transaction seamless and so much quicker. Um, because we actually communicate with each other. It's amazing. Yeah, Yeah, I'm curious what would be harder, having the real estate brokerage first and adding mortgage or doing it the opposite way? I think real estate going to mortgage. I mean, it's, I mean, any of, we can talk a little bit more about the numbers and how things are yeah. captured and, and how that's going, but it's definitely the adoption piece, I think, for the real estate agents to, to adopt the mortgage company. And right. I don't know how you feel about that, but, I mean, that's just my opinion is that it's a little bit harder for the agents to, to adopt. Well, and you do have you have salaried agents, which we should say, um, whereas Evie would be independent contractors. So yep. there's a little bit of a, a difference there in adoption as well. Exactly. We started with 1099 agents and um, decided that because of what we were asking of them and the volume that we were asking of them to do, that being a, a W-2 was a definitely better move. Okay. 
Um, so, Chris, for you um, of brokerage, mortgage, and title, what do you what brings the biggest returns, and by what factor? Yeah, so so mortgage. If you're just kind of ranking out your different you know business segments in a in a company, you know what is your largest return? It it, it will always be mortgage. Um, for us here, you know, it can vary from state to state depending on your brokerage model and your splits and everything else. But you know, typically in our market here, what we would see is that um, for every 10 houses you sell on the brokerage side is the equivalent of about one mortgage. Um, and that can even sometimes go higher than that as well. But that's a good point, average it. And then on the title side, what we see about kind of a pre-tax profit per unit, uh, typically, uh, you know, title is going to be about three title units would equal one mortgage unit. And then insurance is kind of all over the map. Uh, you know, insurance is one of those, it's almost like an annuity that you have. Um, if you started an insurance company today, you probably wouldn't be profitable until four years from now, because it's really once everyone continues to renew their policy every year. That's really where your kind of income comes from, as opposed to the actual writing of the, the original policy. But for mortgage, it's usually 10x per unit versus brokerage, and maybe 3 to 4x for title. So it's a big return, and you can see why so many brokerages kind of get wide-eyed when they think, I should start a mortgage company, because yeah. they see those types of numbers. Yeah, and, that, and now, so because you're with your company, you're not a JV, correct? That's correct. We're wholly yeah. owned. Yeah, yeah. so... Um, and so talk to me about your, um, what provides the biggest returns for you? Is, yeah. it, is it mortgage as well? I mean, it is mortgages, but if you actually think um, of putting your customer first, mm -hmm. it makes the whole thing a little bit different. Because some of the things by having both a real estate agency and a title company, we're able to stack on our products. Um, and we're able to offer some different products that other people can't. And so if you think about it, the person who benefits the most, I mean, not necessarily the financial piece of it, is the customer. Because, okay. I mean, through our mortgage, we're able to do appraisal guarantee, which is something that is like unheard of. Um, and especially in a market like today, I mean, having a, your appraisal being guaranteed is amazing. Um, our cash buyer program, I mean, that's something that you can't have there. Um, but for the most part, I mean, it's they work hand in hand together and it really makes the customer the most, is the one who's getting the experience of everything. So, okay. But yeah, mortgage is definitely, I'm with you. I mean, it's the one, it's, it's the reason why we can offer what we can, yeah. you know, and think if you're somebody that's out there and you just do mortgages or you just do real estate, you're not able to offer all of the products that really make the experience for a customer. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think Christian's spot on. I think we, we typically don't break them down into these different buckets. It all yeah. goes to one bucket, and, and yeah. we're able to do what we do as a company because we have all of these offerings. And then we try to you know boil that down all the way down to our agent and to the consumer as well. We know that. The mm -hmm. things that we're able to do as a company are because we have the reliance on this. I think back to you know the recession from over a decade ago now the lights that were kept on were because of refi. We were able to continue to provide the great real estate services that we did because we had those other business lines that were part of it. So it, to your point exactly, it really does all kind of work together. Well, and if you think about it, it all depends on like how the business trends, you know, exactly what you said, you know, at times refi, I mean, yeah. 2019 was a great year for all of us, yeah. you know, it was fantastic um, if you're in the mortgage industry. Um, but when you're starting to take the, take the turn and you start to look at like, what's the next thing? How are we going to improve purchase? How is that going to make a difference? If that's where it's like you have to come up with something and that is really where like you look at all your ancillary services and it just really builds a, a I think the best company that you can yeah yeah and and so I know for a lot of real estate brokers um, especially you know like a more traditional brokerage that capture rates are are always difficult um, I've heard that you know through the brokers that I've talked to that seems like title capture is a little bit easier um, is that what you found, or what is your capture rate on, on your core services, especially title and mortgage? And talk to me a little bit more about that. 
Yeah, it, it's interesting. So I think if you broadly paint a broad brush across the country, I'd say title is an opportunity where you can have some really high capture rates. We have some companies within the home services network where they, their title capture rates could be 70 80%. Oftentimes that's because from the consumer's perspective, title can sometimes be viewed as the commodity. I don't know what it is. I'm not sure why you're asking me to sign all these documents, but yeah. I'm going to do it because you said I get my keys after I do it all, right? And so they do that. So it's a, it's a commodity. What I've found... You know, in Texas, for example, is that title companies are very much agent-centric. You know, the amount of training, education, and whining and dining that happens. And, and so title in certain markets, especially here in Texas, are very competitive. So it's not as easy to reach some of those 70 and 80% capture rates. And so, you know, if you're really just kind of looking broadly, uh, for most companies that are in a business model similar to ours, if you had mortgage capture rates in the 30 to 35% range, that would be kind of gold standard. Um, title, anything that's 50% or higher would be great. And insurance, if you're at 20 to 25%, that would be considered kind of high as well too. Uh, you know, not that you can't exceed those, but those are the ones that you kind of say, I would love to get to that number. Um, is kind of how you see it, but it really can vary from market to market based on the conditions. And, um, when folks hear about how title is done in Texas, they, they sometimes marvel at that. Like they do what they, they come out and teach classes. I'm like, yes, they're very involved in the process, which is a really good thing for the agent and the consumer, but that's not always the case in other places. Yeah. So I couldn't, I couldn't agree even, even more because, um, since I live here in Texas and I'm always trying to, you know, we're looking to expand our title company and I start talking to them about this is what they do. And they're like, why did they do that? And I'm like, I don't know. That's just how it is. <laughs> and I appreciate it, you know, at times. Um, but I definitely agree. I mean, title is one of those, um, it also depends on the states. If you think about it, you know, some states are seller states, some states are buyer states, some states are, are attorney states. And so it's, a, it's really, um, title is a whole nother a challenge, um, you know, for us. Um, insurance also is, is another one. Um, our mortgage rates, um, and I'm glad to say that we set the gold standards. Who knew? Um, but we're sitting more around close to 60 to 70 percent capture rate in regards to our mortgage um, when it comes to in-house, which I think is amazing. Um, even with our partner agents, that's up to 50 and 60 percent, um, which is also something. And so I think that when you ask the question, you know, what what is it easier to do? It is um, when you're looking at your capture rate, that is something that's really important. But I think it also comes from training. Yeah. You know, it's not easy. You can't just, you know, hire a bunch of agents and just hope that they choose you. They've been building relationships, you know. I'm up to about 400 agents almost now, and all of them have had relationships in the past. You know, if it's their friend down the street, if it's somebody else, um, and how do you do that? You know, and I think I get asked that a lot of, like, how do you how do you have your capture rate so high? And a lot of it is taking the time and training them, you know, putting some time into it. Um, majority of them don't know anything about the mortgage industry because they just left it up to somebody else, and we're having to go through and train them. We're putting them through what I would call kind of like a mini Mortgage 101 program. And I think that's helping get that kind of capture rate up there um, a little bit more than some of the others. Um, but, you know, it's taking the time to, to do that, you know. And when you're 1099, mm, that's not as easy to do. W-2, I can kind of tell them that it's time to, to take this training and stuff. Yeah, we were kind of joking we were walking up here, and that is a difference. I mean, if your business model is is your agents or employees, you know, there are other things that you can do because RESPA would allow it. If you have a business model where your agents are independent contractors, everything that seems intuitive on what you'd like to offer to incentivize them to use your core service businesses, RESPA, no. Yeah. Uh, you know, your C the CFPB <laughs> is going to have something to say about that. And so you have to do it the old-fashioned way, yeah. which is forming relationships and, you know, creating opportunities. So talk to me about what you're doing to increase your capture rate, especially with mortgage. Yeah, so one of the things that we did start looking at was there is kind of a metric as far as the number of loan originators, mortgage consultants, whatever you call it in your enterprise, 
to your agents. And so what we found, at least within the Berkshire Hathaway Home Services Organization, is that in order to attain those kind of peak levels of, of capture rate that you want to achieve, what we found the metric is this. You basically need to have one mortgage consultant for about every 100 agents, or if you look at it from a transaction count, about one mortgage consultant for every 300 transactions. What we find is when you start getting above those numbers, your capture rate starts to fall because, or you won't quite get up to where you want to be because it does require the formation of relationships. Now we thought during COVID with everyone being virtual or hybrid, maybe that wouldn't be, it'd be easier to attain that with that higher ratio numbers. And what we found is it still doesn't matter. You still have to somehow form that relationship. And once you get too many people, it's just hard for that mortgage consultant to form the necessary relationship to earn those opportunities on a regular and consistent basis. And so what we're doing is we applied those ratios and metrics as we, once we did the math, we said, aha, we need to hire more people. And so we are hiring more mortgage consultants to service our growing agent base. Okay. And, and what about programs that you're offering, um, educational programs or or any, anything else that might be helping to build that relationship? I mean, are they solely responsible for building that relationship with the agents, or are you doing something to help them with that? Yeah, so part of it is, is not siloing the different departments from one another, mm-hmm. and, and really, so we have a business development team, and when I first got here, the business development team exclusively worked for our title company. And what we found was like, well, the message they go out when they're going to meet with an agent and consumers about you know, why the title offering would be good for their business It's the same message on why they should be using the mortgage and insurance offerings as well. So we said, let's move the business development team over under the brokerage umbrella so they can actually service all three core service lines. And that made a big difference, and that's something else that we're leaning heavily into. And they do provide kind of the training and also kind of bring your mortgage consultant, your title escrow manager, and your insurance producer together. So again, those messages aren't kind of independent of one another. Yeah, that's smart. Um, what about what about you? You said you do some training. Are there any other um, things that you really do to encourage um, those relationships? We, there are a couple things. Um, obviously, anytime we bring any of our agents on on onboarding, um, especially since we're such a new piece, onboarding is a huge part, portion of what we're doing today. Um, like I mentioned, kind of a mortgage 101 mm-hmm. type of a deal. Those are led by a lot of our loan officers, um, so they can start to build those um, relationships within the states. Um, but we also work in, I would call it, kind of a pod system in a sense. You know, yeah. um, I know that sounds a little strange, but um, but it does. It kind of keeps them in to be able to kind of work together. Um, our title services aren't often in all states, but all of our mortgages are, and same with our real estate agents are now up in about 25 states, and so we're trying to kind of pod them within the states, within markets, okay. so they can be able to build those relationships, because it is about trust. Mm-hmm. That's what it comes down to, to me, is, you know, you have to be able to trust that this loan is going to get closed, because, you know, the agent is the one that is out there that is having to be face-to-face with the customer in many mm-hmm. ways, especially for us, because our loan officers um, are at home or in the office, and they're not out meeting with the customers, and so, you know, trust is the biggest thing, and it's like, you know, you say it's going to close on this day, it's going to close on this day. One of the things that does help, we do have a closing guarantee. You're kind of mm-hmm. asking, you know, like, what are some of the things and products that we can offer? Closing guarantee is one, um, and we use it constantly, okay. um, and if we need to, and because it is, if it's our mistake, we want to be able to own it, but um, there's other things. I mean, obviously, with a company like ours, um, that we do a lot of um, team bonding, I would say. There's events that we do with them. Um, I've seen all kinds of things. Even virtually, we were doing all kinds of fun things. Um, it was kind of fun to see, you know, name that tune and stuff. You know, whatever you can do to kind of build that relationship <laughs> yeah. with the two is the best. You know, because we can't do lunch and learns and happy hours and stuff like that. So a lot of it's virtual. Yeah. 
Now, do you find, um, and I'll start with you, Christian, do you find that having that kind of one-stop shop, as the old saying used to be, um, helps you to recruit and retain the, the real estate agents that you have? I think definitely. Um, I mean, I know for us, I hate to use like a, you said one-stop shop, mm-hmm. Amazon, whatever you want to call it. You know, right. I mean, we're definitely a home ownership company. That's where mm-hmm. we're going and moving into that direction. And so when we're recruiting agents, that's what we're talking to them about. Okay. We're not talking to them about of like, you need to go out there and source and you need to go do this because we have this lead source of this, you know, giant mortgage op company that we have over here. We're able to bring leads into them. And so, um, and then not only we mentioned, I mentioned earlier a couple of products that we can do because mm-hmm. we have a mortgage company and so that one-stop shop it makes it so much easier to be able to talk to the agents and like look at all the products you have to be able to sell or be able to present to your customers and so um, for them their lives are you know definitely a lot easier because you know they can get a listing a lot quicker I mean if you're offering a zero percent listing Mm -hmm. you know it's pretty easy to get a listing if you're going to list it for free, you know. So um, we're trying to provide them with all the tools and everything and resources that they need to be successful. Yeah. And um, so far, our retention rate is at 100%, but we're still very new. So Okay. I'm sure you have something to say about that, offering a 0% listing. No. I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's offering no, 0%. No, no, no. no, it's, yes. no it's, you know what, to that point, it's kind of For whatever reason, the real estate industry is, I think, more so than any other industry, is when a different business model comes into the marketplace or something that's new, different, hair on fire, we're never going to sell a house again, it's over, we're done. Um, and then you kind of look across other industries and you go, there is a lot of space for a lot of different business models that appeal to different agents, different consumers, different loan officers. And so, um, but it is interesting, we are very much like that. I mean, I, my background before I got in real estate about 20 years ago was I was in private practice as an attorney. And I remember, you know, every year, like, one of the named partners on the building would leave, you know, and you'd have to change the sign, change your business cards, but everyone just kind of kept working. And here, you know, it's like, there's a new business model. We're done. And, yeah. um, and there's a lot of space yeah. out there, which is, which is great. And I think it, it, it absolutely makes you have to sharpen your own tools and get, and get better at it. For recruiting agents, I would say if you asked me that two or three years ago, I would have said, I think it's negligible. I don't think it makes a difference. I think as more and more business models and brokerages from whatever type of way they're approaching real estate, are adding that full service experience, I think it is becoming increasingly important for agents to align themselves with a business model, with a brokerage or mortgage company that is in brokerage now too, that offers that. Because uh, NAR has been doing this question to consumers for decades now at this point, and they have said consistently over the years, they like the concept and the idea of the one-stop shop. and not everyone would say was giving that up to the consumer. More and more of the models now are absolutely serving that up to the client. And I think as an agent, it is now helping because I think, especially when we get a couple more years down the road, if you're not aligned with a business model that has that, you're going to have a consumer saying, but that's what I want. Because they're going to see this more prevalent everywhere they look. And so I think it is increasingly becoming important. Yeah, I mean, especially with, um, like you said, a lot of new financing business models as well from the iBuyers that, um, you know, a lot of brokerages have very successfully partnered with if they can't offer that service on their own, as well as some of the like ribbon or the knock with some of the bridge loans and their home swap and and that. Um, Have you do iBuyer? We do cash buyer, yeah. Cash it's a buyer. little bit different. Cash buyer, yes. Yes, it's a little, it's a little bit different. No, yes. I mean, and I think that is the key, is what you said. You have to be able to offer enough products for mm-hmm. the customer, and it's really going to be the customer who's going to make the decisions of what they want to go to. And, and just like you said, there's a lot of different um, 
different, different options that you can go out there. I mean, and everybody's going to have a different choice. And I always um, tell everybody, um, you know, it's the customer's choice to choose. What kind of service do they want? Um, I know there's a lot of people that would never go to an online broker. You know, they want to go to somebody down the street, and they want to be able to sit across the table from them. That's okay. That We want to have people that can do that. You know, mm -hmm. we want to be able to offer everything that we can. Um, that's not going to be our model, but it's going to be for somebody. And so I just think it's going to be up to the consumer to be able to choose, you know, what products are right for them. And so I'm um, a cash buyer, an iBuyer. I mean, um, I don't know. If it's, we mentioned I worked for an iBuyer once before, mm -hmm. and I always told everybody before at the time, I was like, it's up to the agent. The agents need to learn how to work with everybody that's in this, in this industry. You know, they need to be able to kind of go, okay, what tools do I have today for this right. customer? Okay, this customer needs an iBuyer. This customer needs cash buyer. This customer mm -hmm. needs special financing. This is going to be specialty. I know the panel that was up here before was talking about specialties, mm -hmm. you know, that you need to specialize in certain products and stuff. I mean, there's a lot of products we don't offer, and we probably will never offer at Better. Um, and so I would always recommend to go somewhere else. And so I think when it comes down to it, it's going to be the customer who's going to choose. And who, when the customers choose, that's what's going to make the agents. The yeah. agents are going to kind of yeah. go, oh, well, I'm going to go where the business is. I'm not going to go somewhere where the business is not. Yeah. And now what have you found? Have you, have you partnered with any of the... Yeah, so we have an iBuyer platform. We have kind of two two offerings. And so through the mortgage company, we have a bridge loan product. With For a lot of people, that makes sense, and it's done in a very simplistic way. But then for others that are interested in the iBuyer model, we wanted to make sure our agents didn't have to lose that potential business, that there was a way to provide that client with kind of the best of both worlds, the simplicity of kind of a cash now offer, but also getting to partner with the experience that comes with working with a real estate agent. And I think Christian said it perfectly, you've got to be able to adapt to be able to offer consumers what they're kind of expecting to have. Now, what's interesting is a lot of consumers inquire about our iBuying option that we have. Very few actually end up going that route. But I don't want our, any of our agent partners to have to say, no, I don't have that. Yes, I do. Let me show you this option versus maybe the more traditional way of listing your home. More often than not, they choose the other way. But it's nice to have it there because we do have a handful that say, no, I'd like to try that. Yeah, yeah. And I know that um, Steve Murray, and for those of you who don't know him, he was the founder of Real Trends, and he's a senior advisor for Housing Wire in Real Trends. He did some calculations and had figured out that really the iBuyer market that everybody's so worried about is <laughs> max will be about 6% of the market. Um, and especially so. when when average sales price kind of normalizes again. Mm -hmm. I mean, I saw the most recent you know a statistic that you know for Open Door, for example, seventy percent of their margins right now is because of the increasing ASP over the last you know twelve to eighteen months. As that normalizes, you know we're going to be back into a different thing where we're trying to make this model profitable under normal circumstances. Right. Right. Um, so, Chris, what do you find are your biggest challenges? Um, maybe it's operational. Maybe it's, you know, capture it. What do you find are your biggest challenges to having the, the core services and, and making them succeed? Yeah, so again, and Kristen, I'm sure you've been on a bunch of panels too, and I kind of alluded to it earlier where you'll hear from a broker that says, well, in order for us to get profitable, we're going to add mortgage and title, and that's an right. insurance, and that's how we're going to do it. And you go, easy enough, right? So it's very easy to add the different business segments to your, to your business model. But what we have found, and we are guilty of this as well historically, it's, and I'll use the analogy of a shopping strip. 
It's very easy to align your stores. So say I've got my brokerage, mortgage, child, and insurance, right? But for the consumer, I got to go in this door and I use my brokerage. Then I leave and I walk down the sidewalk and I go in another and then I leave and I go in another. So they're, yeah, they're located close together proximity, but they don't really feel like they're together, right? It's a clunky handoff. It's, you know, they're really not seamless. It's not feeling like, you know, one, one party is with the other party. So if you want to transition from that, what I find to be the biggest challenge is transitioning from the shopping strip feel to truly the one door. And so instead of saying one stop, we'll say one door, one experience. So does it feel like to the consumer that I walk through one door and then everything was made available? That could mean from digitally on your website to just the way that handoff occurs from each one of the folks. And again, that's where the difficulty comes in is going from the shopping strip to the one door. Yeah, it's funny um, that you say that. I was in a meeting earlier today, and we call it the flea market. So, uh, you know, you feel like this flea market feel where you're walking through and somebody's trying to sell you something all the way through, and and it's a challenge. Before you get down the hall, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. (laughs) And it's, you know, and it's kind of like, you know, I think one of the things for us is like, Mm -hmm. when do we bring in the other products? And, you know, so it's kind of like, where does it start? You know, it's that kind of like chicken and the egg. Do you start with mortgage? Do you start with realtor? Who who begins Mm -hmm. this whole transaction? And um, and then when do you add the ancillary products? And does everybody need to be added to the ancillary products? You know, so it's, that's one of our biggest challenges right now is to exactly figure out figure that piece out and so the customer doesn't feel like they've just been haggled all the way down the whole transaction you know because nobody likes that yeah. feel, you know I mean it's you know like no 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 um, and then you know how do we make it to where it is seamless um, and it feels normal and if it is through our product because being a technology company a lot of things are going to be through our product but even then it's like oh another pop-up oh I want insurance oh, another pop-up you want something else so trying to figure out that piece is going to be something that is really really important and then I think the other one uh, you know a challenge for us right now is as rates start to, to you know increase what does that mean for us you mm-hmm. know um, we've had a lot of um, things go correctly and a great year with refi but as we look at purchase what does that really look like for us and so yeah. um, and how can we do that um, and do it well and make a difference um, and also really how do we innovate it a little bit mm-hmm. more because one of the things you know I think about it you know refis are easy yeah, it's really easy, but purchase is hard. Yeah, you know, and what are some of the things that we can do? And I, I sat on some panels earlier, and they were talking about the appraisal and documents and things like that. I mean, I would love to get to a spot where it's like, just give me your name, your social, and be done. Yeah, you know, it's like, why do you need all this other shit for me? Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it, it truly is, and so I think yeah. you know, how can we make it easier for the customer? Because I mean, yeah. I think we're all in a business to be not necessarily do I want to say disruptive, yeah. but we want to do what's right for for the customer. You mm-hmm. know. Think about all the things that they have to go through. I mean, buying a home is never easy. Right. Nobody wants to move. Nobody wants to show their house. Nobody wants to take pictures. Nobody wants to do any of it. Yeah. They, and that's why the iBuyers have come in and has been so successful at doing things. So I think for us, our biggest challenge, you know, for this, you know, the end of the year and next year is, is really try to figure that out. You know, try to make sure we're not a, you know... Mm-hmm strip mall or anything like that but you know also making sure that um, what we do is look at what is best for the customer and how we do it I mean Chris how have you um, gotten around that like you know you say it's a a challenge what are you doing to so part of it is that you know we we think sometimes that all you know that the only source of referral is your your kind of wonderful agent partners and that is a huge part of it but really when you start kind of boiling it down to to some of the different segments is that it's you've got to get your core services or ancillary services, whatever you refer to them, you've got to get them on the same page as well. And what we found was oftentimes they were very siloed. Mm -hmm. So as we've kind of started to break down the silos, what we found is that a huge, huge driving factor of our insurance success is our mortgage consultants. 
that they are the best positioned person when they are talking to a consumer about the mortgages and the, you know what it's going to look like is, I really would like you to get a quote from the insurance side just for comparison purposes. And almost 90% of the time, the consumer says, great, that sounds great. You know, and it's just because it's a natural part of the conversation that we're having. Before we did that, it was a lot larger of a struggle. So I think it's looking holistically at all the different players that are involved and saying, okay, are we truly one team here? Because sometimes what it feels like is that, okay, we're all on the same field, but mortgage is playing soccer, title's playing football, and insurance is playing lacrosse. But we're all on the field together, you know? (laughs) And this idea, how do you actually play the same sport together? And that's really another big factor of it. It's just making sure they understand how this kind of all pieces together because it's not necessarily always intuitive them. Like, hey, I do mortgages. I do them really well. How does this other part impact me? And, and we didn't talk about how many offices you have. So how many offices and agents yeah. do you have? Yeah, so we have 32 offices and approximately 2,000 agents. Okay. And Christian, how many, you are you all virtual or no? Um, all of our agents are virtual. Okay. Yeah, so we have about six offices across the country for our mortgage team, but okay. the agents are all um, virtual. Right okay. Great. And we did have another panelist who was not able to attend, um, and that was Mark Johnson. He's the CEO of JPAR, and he did uh, send some insights because they have attempted mortgage twice, once, once with a tech-based, um, and then I believe that they were, were building their own. And he did say one of their big challenges was just getting that to work. Um, they've been purchased by Karen Real Estate, and they're, they're making another attempt at it, but he wanted to say, he wanted me to, to tell everyone that he really found that a JV for, for them was the way to go rather than build from scratch because that was just too difficult. Um, he also was talking about the fact that you, you have to do it for some other reason than to boost your, your margins um, because when you're only doing it for you, um, you're not really doing it for the consumer or the, or the um, you know, home buyer. So I want to just end this with a little bit about that. First of all, the, you know, the intentions of these obviously are to make more money. Um, but but how, do you, how do you kind of make sure that the consumer stays the center of it? Yeah, so I just think it's kind of reiterating some of the things that Christian and I have already talked about. But when you go back and the consumer saying they want something, if you don't deliver it for them, somebody else is going to do it. That's how industries truly get disrupted. So when we talk about disruption in the real estate industry or disruption in any type of industry, it's when someone doesn't fulfill the need of the consumer. And so, you know, we talked about, you know, in, in, in various different industries, uh, Amazon came along. Well, Amazon didn't, you know, destroy the big box industry. It destroyed companies that were already in a bad business model, not giving the consumers what they want. Target and Walmart are doing better than they ever have. Mm-hmm. They had to adapt and grow, but they're still there, right? And so uh, I look at the, you know, the, the auto industry, right? The, you know, uh, down here on the Sam Rayburn Tollway, there's a, you know, a car vending machine, essentially, that if you bang on it, two cars will fall out. Um, between that and <laughs> online with Vroom, But then there's traditional car dealerships as well. And so, you know, again, but it's giving the consumer what they want. And so to us, that has to be the driving factor. We have this because the consumer said they want it. And then we also fundamentally believe that for our agent partners, when they bring in their core service partners, we can deliver a better experience and make their lives a little bit easier in the process as well. Yeah, definitely. 
Do you have anything to add to that? No, or? I think that's exactly okay. exactly what we're looking at. You know, yeah. we used the analogy the other day where it previously, like, if you look at kind of a solar system, you know, mm -hmm. our mortgage company was really the sun and everybody kind of like circled around it. And yeah. now we're really putting the customer in the middle yeah. and all the different products are circling around it instead. And, um, you know, there's a reason why, you know, we're looking at like offering different products, like a 0% listing, like we're saying. I mean, mm -hmm. we're not making money on that. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's for the customer. It's, we're trying to do something that's right for the customer. We, you know, our mortgage officers are not commissioned. Mm -hmm. Their salary, our agents are not commissioned. Their salary, um, you know, we're trying to take the commissions, the fees, and everything out of it. And so the financial piece is not it. And so it's really more about the home ownership and the home ownership journey that somebody goes on. And that's what we want to be there for, for our customers. Okay, great. Well, I, I want to end this talking about the, the CFPB and the new leadership. Um, so what do you think is going to change? What are your um, you know, concerns or opportunities? Yeah, I, I think when we go back to like the creation of the CFPB, I think for most people in the industry, what they were frustrated about, I don't really mind now that we know that each new administration can just put in their leadership um, and switch it out. Um, I don't really have a problem with, you know, one CFPB, you know, kind of being more enforcement oriented than the other. I think what was hard for our industry in the beginning was that it was, uh, let you know, we, we were learning through enforcement mm -hmm. as opposed to guidance. And so, you know, I know there are some that felt under the Trump administration, the CFPB was a little too lax in some of its enforcement efforts, and they leaned too heavily on the guidance side. And I think there's probably a middle ground there. I think for all of us, I don't think there's any reputable mortgage company, real estate company, title insurance that wants to be on the wrong side of the CFPB or not adhering to RESPA and the other regulations. Right. But when we only can learn what we're supposed to be doing, when we see someone else being enforced against, and we have to read that enforcement order to say, okay, I guess that's not allowed anymore. Now we need to do this. Right. So I think that, you know, what we would like to see is just, you know, we're great with the increased enforcement. Um, please get rid of the players that are giving the rest of us a bad name, but also provide some of the guidance on the things that, you know, are changing from what the old HUD guidelines were so for so many years that we got used to. Yeah. I would say that just in addition to that um, is, you know, just looking at it a little bit differently, you know, with all the different type of companies that are out there, if it's technology or just the way that we're looking at things overall in general, you know, making some changes, making some adjustments. I mean, I'm with you, like, you know, anybody that is reputable is hopefully, you know, is the ones are not the ones that are in trouble maybe once in a while, you know, but um, for the most part, it's it's the ones that aren't. And those are the ones that we need to definitely kind of, you know, make sure that things are there. But I think it's also a, a chance for us to to have some change, you know, to kind of look about it. You know, we just went through, you know, COVID and so many things changed. You know, loan officers were able to work from home. They weren't required to be in their offices, you know. I mean, why do they need to be in their offices, you know? And so I'm hoping that there's going to be some, you know, some change that comes out of this um, that are going to be positive, positive for, you know, employees, positive for, you know, the mortgage industry, the real estate agents, and everybody that's involved um, because there are some things that are a little bit outdated and um, everything that we've gone through, I think there's just, it's time to make yeah. some adjustments. Yeah. Um, is there anything that I didn't ask that you think is really important for our audience to know about, um, you know, your businesses, your challenges, the opportunities you see in the future? I, I would just echo what Christian said a few moments ago. She used the word trust. And I think that is really paramount. I think anytime you have other business businesses with your primary business, when you've had that on, so whether you're whichever direction you're going, mortgage into real estate or mortgage in, or real estate into mortgage title, whatever it might be, is it's not just enough for your agent partners and your consumer that you have it, right? Like no one's going to use it just because you have it. 
They will use it because they trust you to do a better job than what they might be able to get across the street and make it simpler along the way. I think simplicity is what most people are looking for. You know, we've all stayed up too late at night and watched the infomercials where they make the hose look really complicated. Like, <laughs> I can't use this hose. And now there's the new improved hose. That's what they're trying to make all of our businesses look like. It's so complicated. And so simplicity to me is really the key. No matter which business model you might fall in, is it simple for my consumer to use? Yeah. Exactly. Just making sure that we're educating our customers, um, educating each other, you know, I think yeah. is really important, you know, I mean, just because I have one type of a model and, and, and he's got another type of model doesn't mean we can't learn from each other, you yeah. know, and same with mortgages. I mean, there's so many different mortgage companies out there and they all do it a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, just making sure that our customers also know the differences. Yeah. Um, because I think it's important um, for us to, you know, learn from one another and really make sure that, you know, we're able to get as many people as we can into into their home, into their dreams. Well, great. Well, thank you, Chris Squared, <laughs> on the panel today. Um, thanks so much for, for joining us. Thank appreciate you. all your thank insights. You. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Looking for more insight into what will happen in 2022? Or maybe you need more information on what in the world is happening with the federal regulators. Or you could just be looking for information on how to stay competitive as the industry shifts to a purchase-focused market. Our HW Plus Premium Membership comes with all of this insight and more. With your HW Plus Membership, you'll get at least five HW Plus articles a week that dive deeper into the daily news to help you confidently make business decisions. To join, go to housingware.com forward slash membership. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. I hope you have a great afternoon. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on all the hottest stories crossing our news desk daily. The podcast is now available wherever you like to listen. Make sure to tune in tomorrow.